many of the Jewish uh, population have been living in the Western world uh, for the last 2,000 years, mm. and which has been a Christian world. Um, surely you would expect there to be some issues where uh, perhaps a Christian take on, on, on certain religious issues has been uh, sort of unwittingly incorporated into a Jewish outlook on things. Uh, do, do, has that happened? I, that was just something I was thinking about recently. Has that happened at all? Have we incorporated certain concepts um, because we share similar concepts, uh, spiritual concepts, but actually it's not quite the Jewish way of understanding things? Well, I think that's definitely true. Just by use of the English language, we'll be absorbing an enormous amount of, of Christian vocabulary. At the same time, I think it's fair to ask whether whether the average folk use of words in English even captures Christianity very well. Mm. <laughs> you know, what we've kind of got is a folk Christianity through an eyes of, of a liberal anti-Christian rebellion. We've kind of got this funny, fuzzy language. So we end up with words like angel, that if you ask someone what an angel is, they imagine some kind of Renaissance painting of a baby with wings or, or hell is some kind of physical fire with a devil and a pitchfork and all these kind of words. Um, and some will be actually genuinely expressions of real Christian theology. Some will be a kind of a more folk Christian. Some will be an anti. But they're all messed. Up. They're all the connotations of these words lie in the English language, which are very, very difficult uh, to teach Judaism through. Hmm. I'll give you another one: sin. Sin. Um, now, Christian theology does differ from Jewish theology. And when I say Christian theology, well, there's many, many Christian theologies. But broadly speaking, there is a sense of um, the impact of original sin to some degree making man barely redeemable, redeemable through an act of faith and so forth rather than, uh, um, and that is not something as Jews we share. So the connotation that comes with sin and the, the sense that there's a part of, that might be um, unchangeably evil or, or bad within us, to whatever extent that's filtered through and to whatever extent that genuinely expresses Christianity or doesn't, that's certainly what the words come to mean. Mm. Um, whereas in Hebrew word like chet actually relates to the word for missing a target. In biblical words, when archers and slingers miss targets, we use the same word. So it implies that actually deep within us, we are trying to aim at the good. And we have within us the possibility of being good. We just lost sight of where we're trying to go to. I'll give you an example. Honor. The pursuit of honor and the ego that comes with that is, is quite a destructive force. But where it resonates from is the, is the sense of connecting to that which is honorable that which honors others, that which honors God, that which manifests greatness in the world. So we have within us the desire to do good, um, but we sometimes slip into a counterfeit, if you like, and try to get everyone else to tell us how good we are. Mm. And one is fulfilling and enriching and one isn't. So the the, the, the miss, sort of has in my subconscious this desire of do, do what's good, do what's honorable, and instead I, it misfires and I go, oh, th that probably means getting people to tell me how good and honorable I am, mm. right? But if we can just get back on track within us, it's not actually evil, is a desire to do what's right. And that's why the Hebrew word teshuvah, which doesn't quite have the same connotation as the English word repentance, for example, is just to return to yeah. who we are. So these are just some examples, but there's many, many such examples. Yes, and inevitably teaching any culture in a different language. Every language comes with an entire civilization's way of seeing the world mm. um, and layers and layers and layers of that. I suspect it's not that easy to teach Christianity in English, mm. um, even though it's been a language that, that's shaped around Christianity. It's much harder to teach mm. Judaism in English. And yes, confusions like this will happen all the time. I think the biggest area is, as you say, in the, in the area of guilt 
where there seems to be this sort of inherent sense of, well, human beings are uh, irredeemable unless they, you know, well, the Believe sense the sense that. that people are somehow dirty or filthy, you know, that kind of stuff, those sorts of things, um, I think, do sometimes carry across in words in English language far stronger than anything that's, that Torah is talking about. Mm. And it's very damaging, though. Those emotions uh, are sure. very yeah, Yes, that's, but that's true in general. There's many psychological elements. I mean, really, the word we're looking for is shame. Now, there is a Hebrew corollary with shame, busha, and, 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 uh, but we see it in, in the Torah that comes as a result of sin. Is it the correct response to sin? Not really. But we do sometimes, well, the correct response is the desire to change. In fact, in later commentaries, we start to use words like harata, which means regret. Uh, Maimonides doesn't even use that. Rambam doesn't even use those words, right? He's careful not even to use those words. He uses the word, he says, first we, we make the changes and then, and then nichamti, we kind of change our world view after mm. sin and realize we never really needed it. Mm. So we do sometimes, you know, Kippur press, we do add words like boshti, right? I, I'm, I'm ashamed. We've got to be careful how these words are used. Maimonides does use that one too. But I think that, that while they must never have is the connotation, except maybe in very occasional references, that I'm somehow filthy or dirty or so on. Occasionally, I think it's okay for a person to realize where my life's gone to is, is a really low place. But then a person should never turn inwards and say, I'm, I tell you what it is, a person turns inwards and says, I'm rubbish, I'm pathetic, I'm, is going to basically go and do wrong stuff. A person mm. says, actually, I'm full of greatness. You know, I let myself down, you know, or I've gone into a place which I don't want to be. Let's get back on track. Let's. It's funny because I've sometimes heard the opposite. That actually the most dangerous people in history are the ones who are th- who think who hold themselves in very high esteem, and often good people are those who actually hold themselves in fa- fairly low esteem. Again, what do the words mean? Right. High esteem means they're egocentric and think the world should worship them. Yeah, they're very dangerous people. Mm. High esteem means they realize they have plenty to give to the world. That's not unhealthy people. Quite to the contrary, if you look around at very unhealthy world leaders. You probably find that somewhere deep inside they're so insecure yeah. that they're trying to get the whole world to worship them to compensate for that insecurity. That's a pretty toxic combination. Can't think of any world leaders like that at the moment. Um, but <laughs> in, I don't want to get over, uh, political in the world. But they're, they're, such people exist in all walks of life. Yeah. Sometimes they end up accomplishing good things. Sometimes not. But that, that's where potential problems can come from. Sure. Whereas the person who recognizes I have what to give to the world, right? Meaning that there's there's goodness within me. I can get back on track right, is a person who can say, I messed up without feeling they've become tainted by it. A person who struggles to say they've done something wrong is dangerous or can be dangerous. A person who doesn't struggle to say I've done something wrong, I I let myself down. I I can pick up, I can move forward, I can recognize I made a mistake. It's much easier, it's much more liberating. I'm not Mm. defined by that. It doesn't tell me, I did something wrong doesn't mean I'm wrong. I did something bad doesn't mean I'm bad. That's very powerful. And and sort of going back to the first uh, thing we discussed, should... You said when someone experiences uh, suffering, they should challenge their, sort of examine their deeds. Uh, Isn't that potentially a bit of a dangerous area to get into in terms of shame? If it becomes blame, it's bad. So how, but how can it not? Because, no, I'll deeps. tell you why. Because, because you see, we're in this world to bring a certain amount of light into the world, mm-hmm. right? Um, at the same time, so long as darkness in the world, bad things will happen. Mm-hmm. When I see the impact of darkness, I should always say to myself, can I do more light? Could it be some of it's, you know, come back to me, so to speak? Possibly. But then it's like shining, ironically, switching metaphor, a light on myself and saying, oh, can this help me discover something wrong? 
Can this help me discover something I could do better? That doesn't mean that I am the cause of it. Let's say we take a metaphysical, spiritual view of things, quite a Kabbalistic view, whereby acts that we do even in private have metaphysical consequences. Right? And let's suppose that we, we could open up the heavens and see me doing something right or wrong, you know, has such positive or negative spiritual energies right. flowing to the world that good or bad things happen. That doesn't mean that I'm to blame, like if I personally did the good or bad. That's a Why? whole, because, because there's intention involved. If I go and hit somebody in the face, that is me intending to hurt them and I personally hurt them. But surely if you're aware, if you're aware enough spiritually that my actions do have all kinds of com- ripple effects, around the world, then there is a sense of intent, isn't there? Imagine somebody looking at us in the room and says, every time they do this word, we're going to give charity, and every time we do that word, we're going to steal money, right? right. Let's suppose we know about that. Of course, mm-hmm. we have some responsibility for what's mm-hmm. going on, and of course, we want to make sure there's more charity being given. Mm-hmm. But it's not the same responsibility as personally giving charity or personally stealing. Mm-hmm. And then we must divorce the two. Now, it should inspire us to recognize, and this is writings who teach us this principle are trying to inspire us mm-hmm. to say, our actions really matter. We, the worst thing we could say is, I'm insignificant. I make no difference. Who cares? Let good people, let, let rich people give charity. Let wise people study Torah. No, every one of us doing one little thing can do good in the world. That's what you meant to learn from that. Mm-hmm. And every time I hold myself back from something, I don't think that was insignificant. That can ripple across history, can move into metaphysical physical spheres. Great. But it doesn't mean I should go and beat myself up if, you know, if I messed up that now. If I, if I messed up, I should go exactly as deeply as I messed up, now can I do better? Not start thinking, oh my goodness, did I cause somebody somewhere to steal money? That's not, that's, that's the uninspiring, that's the debilitating thinking. And it's very easy to confuse the two. Mm. And it's very important that we don't. Yeah, yeah. To stay up to date with JTV content, click subscribe here if you're on YouTube and hit the alarm bell. And if you're on Facebook, hit the like button and under following, click see first. If you enjoy watching JTV content and want to help us continue to grow, please consider making a donation to us by clicking here.